but I have bad days. I'm sure you've heard me say, but it's the three S's story, state, standard. When I'm having a bad day, I stop telling myself that shitty story. I tell myself a better story and it changes. I get out and I change my state. I move, I get into a different environment, I change my state and ultimately mm-hmm. change my standard. Because mm-hmm. if I tell myself a better story and I'm changing my state and I'm becoming positive, my standards for what I allow in are at a very high level now. Welcome back, everybody, to the Mind Your Own Business podcast. Today, my distinguished guest is my good friend, Charlie LaRue. Charlie, what's going on, man? What's going on, Stephen? Thanks for having me on here, bud. Yeah, you're welcome, man. I'm I'm glad that our schedules could finally align so we could do this. We've been trying to do this for months now, it seems like. We have, definitely. So Monday was the day, and uh, we did it. <laughs> yeah. Right on, man. Well, let's dive right in. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your past. You you used to fight fires. Now you do fight fires still every day, but just not like real, real flames. So tell us about kind of like how you started, where you're from, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's funny you say that because that's what I say every day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so obviously I'm from from here in New Jersey, uh, town Highlands, New Jersey, really small. It's a local crabbing, clamming, fishing community right on the water, uh, not even one square mile. So as you can imagine, a small community has always been my thing, but I've always wanted more and always dreamed of more. Um, my my father was a army fireman growing up. So I was always part of the, the firehouse type life. You know, they live there half the time and they're home half the time. Um, and growing up in a small community was always blue collar. So whether you were on the boats or you were working with your hands, you were always doing something in the blue collar space. So, you know, I started off when I was really young, 10, 12 trying to work in the restaurants or trying to get on the roofs, trying to do stuff with construction, you know, and you realize, Hey, maybe I can't do that forever. So I chose to try to become a professional fireman. Um, and through that schooling was fun, you know, went and became a fully qualified fireman, went, did all my schooling, got everything. And then I applied. And as you can imagine, getting in as a career fireman is really hard. So it yeah. took a year or two to get in there. So I just kept going to classes and becoming more and more educated in it and finally became a career fireman. And it was great. You know, I was living high on the hog. I was 20 years old, 100 grand a year, motorcycles, cars, like you name it. (laughs) I had it. And then, uh, you know, I decided to meet a beautiful young lady and um, we had a child. And I realized quickly that that bachelor life I was living was very different as a fireman than as a, a family man. So I realized not sleeping next to my wife and my kids was really not for me. And I decided I've always wanted more. So I took a leap of faith. Many called me crazy, uh, including family and friends. And I left the firehouse. So Mm -hmm. I left my dream job that I've always wanted to have. um, And I took a leap of faith and I went out and I started my own construction company. You know, I was always doing construction, but this was, this was actually to pay your bills. This was not for extra money. It's really hard when you want to make a choice to like change your life altogether. I don't want to say everybody's against you, but everybody's calling you nuts. You have your dream job, you have your dream career, all of the health benefits, right? The pension, everything. Your future, quote unquote, is set. And yeah. you're like, I'm going to leave all this behind and go dig ditches and go frame houses. Yeah. And um, you know, I mean, I kept saying, I'd to call me. you crazy too, right? Like, you know, if you think about it that way, if you just look at it like in a very like analytical standpoint, like just data, you're leaving all this to go do this. I don't get it. 
And there was a ceiling for me in the fire department, you know, not only working for the man, as everyone says, but there's a ceiling you can only get to so high. And I still had 12 years, 15 years left to retire. So oh. when I was getting ready to, to leave, everyone's like, you're nuts. You only have 12 years left. <laughs> only. So only. Me, like, uh, uh, whatever you say, it is what it is. Very, very, very few people actually supported me in my decision. Uh, but to be really honest, it's the best thing I ever did. You know, I had to work extra hard. I had to put in the work, had to put in the hours, but I was able to do something for myself first and foremost, but my family, I was able to be present. I didn't miss any school function. I wake up with my children. I go to bed with my children. I'm there if anybody needs me. So for me, what it did for me on the other side of the monetary and the retirement and the healthcare, I just had to step up and do more for myself, but uh, it allowed me a lot of opportunities for sure. Yeah, because I mean, the schedule of a firefighter is insane. We, I've got some firefighters um, that I know locally here. I drive by their house, right? They're neighbors of mine, and I won't see their car for two, three days. They're on shift right now. Yeah, yeah. especially for the for the Army. You know, I was a Department of Defense fireman, like I said, for the Army. So you're running 24 hours on, 24 hours off. Wow. So essentially, you're there every day of your life, whether you're waking up there or coming in there on tour, you're there every day. So uh, I love it. I, you know, the camaraderie, you know, what you learn about everything and and you're always educating yourself, right? It's life or death knowledge where right now you read books to personally grow. There's yeah. life or death knowledge on how to yeah. become the best version of yourself. So for me, it was an addiction. I was in the best shape of my life. I was learning every single day, going to school every day. I was training every day. Every single thing was the best of the best. So it was hard to leave that to go to be in the grind, but definitely the best yeah. of the best. Okay. So you were, you were in construction because you did side jobs and whatever else to make some extra money. So you decided like, Hey, I'm going to leave this behind because I want to you know, be with my family. And I also want to like grow a business for my long-term future. So you decided to go into construction full-time like what did you do how did how did you start <laughs> so i started with a partner ronnie uh that's how char ron came about okay and so we said hey look we could do this his dad was in the business for many years we knew we had the skills the abilities and the drive to do it we said all right the only thing that we're not going to do is painting i hate painting ronnie hated painting we're just not going to paint deal we shook hands Let's go. Here we go. Okay. Charles and Sons, right? You know, we're going at it. The first two jobs, you know what they were, right? Yeah. I don't have to say they were painting, but they were painting yeah. jobs. <laughs> Not okay, only so for you, dude, for you, it's painting. For me, it's drywall. Oh, I, I despise drywall. I cannot do drywall to save my life, man. It's terrible. Yeah. Funny. So, yeah, so first painting job was a shed and a fence. Okay. Literally. And Ronnie is six five, tall, dark, and handsome. I'm five six and like tiny. So he shoved <laughs> me behind the shed. I shoved him on the high stuff. I'm like, all right, we can do this, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we did that. And the second one was the ugliest color purple you could ever imagine in your life. <laughs> I still have nightmares about it. But yes, two painting jobs to start off Charon contracting. Wow. And no, how long ago was that? That was only back in 2011. 2011. Okay. So you've had the company for 12, 13 years now, roughly. Yes. Yep. Wow. Okay. So what have you done in 12 and 13 years from oh, painting so whole fences or whatever it was? Yeah. So we started uh, obviously with a handyman stuff, uh, kitchens, bathrooms, decking, railings. 
And then we started to scale and get bigger. So we started to do larger renovation projects, replacing beams, things like that. And a gift and a curse for me was actually Superstorm Sandy. Uh, uh -huh. As I mentioned, I live on the water. Superstorm Sandy came in and it wiped out miles around us of homes. Wow. So it gave us, we all lost our homes, my personal home, my family's homes. Like it was devastation for myself and my community. I'm also wow. a volunteer in Highlands as well. So it was really sad, but in that time of sadness also came land of opportunity. So sure. that opened up doors for me into really large projects because now these homes were ruined. They mm -hmm. had to be lifted to be up to flood requirements. Yeah. And a lot of the homes went for sale. So I went from doing kitchens and bathrooms to actually lifting all these homes, putting new foundations in, renovating the entire first floor that was flood damaged. We got yeah. into insurance work, into state work. And then it also uh, branched us into the investment space because we started working for guys who were buying up these storm damaged homes and then they were flipping them. Uh -huh. So we realized, hey, why are we going to keep building them for people when now we have some seed capital? Why uh -huh. don't we purchase one or two and get a rental property of our own? So yeah. we went from kitchens and baths to house lifts and additions all the way to investing. And then that eventually led to new construction projects. You know, some of these bungalows and other homes were not really worth saving uh -huh. and they were on a really nice piece of land. So a lot of them, I guess, unfortunately, as a local were demolished. Yeah. Um, they were turned into these beautiful new construction projects mm -hmm. uh, that ultimately raised the value of, of Highlands, New Jersey and the surrounding communities. Wow. I remember that storm that um, you obviously know firsthand. I don't, but I remember seeing like the devastation on the news and I was following it very closely. Um, I don't know why I remember this, you know, how like certain memories you have, like I was standing in the back of my motorcycle shop, like watching on my phone like the devastation and all that. I don't know why I remember I was standing like right in that one specific spot. Yeah. Uh, but you were in it, man. You were in the, in the thick of it. And not only yeah. like on the construction side, but also on the volunteer side and, you know, helping rescue people, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the main problems is the the wind kept all of the tidal floodwaters inside of the community. So we're at sea level. Mm -hmm. So when the first high tide came in, Mm -hmm. We're from Highlands. We're used to water being there. It is what it is. But yeah. when the first tide came in, there was a couple feet in the streets and people thought it was going to recede at the low tide, but the wind kept it in and it never left. So people mm -hmm. realized, whoa, I have a whole nother tide cycle to come through. So we were actually driving around in the big army deuce and a halfs, uh -huh. driving through each individual street, you know, telling people, listen, this is way worse than we thought it was going to be like you need to evacuate. So I think the number was somewhere between 150 to 170 people we manually evacuated um wow. you know people that needed to get out at that point in between those two um surges so it was crazy you know one of the saddest things for me uh, it gives me the chills to think about is um lifelong friends and family members seeing there was not enough dumpsters in our area so everyone actually demolished all of the flood waters and all the the bad stuff out of their homes when they demolished their homes they put it on the sidewalk and instead of it being in a dumpster that you can't see, you saw everyone who you known and loved your whole life and looked at their whole entire life just piled in the front of their home on the streets. And it's a scene I'll never forget. So for me, rebuilding the community was a huge, huge focus of mine. You know, we did a lot of volunteer work with 
construction as well, just getting people back in helping them demolish, helping them get heat and electric and life-saving things back in. So there was volunteer wow. on the fire department side, but also, you know, from the construction side too. Wow. I'm thinking, I'm picturing that whole situation, right? And like your life is compartmentalized into a pile of rubble on the sidewalk. Yeah. And then, you know, you look at storm chasers and guys of other businesses that come in and are just ripping people off and, uh, yeah. you know, doing really, really things that have no morals. So a lot of life lessons happened to me because of Sandy, because I lost everything, including all of our construction equipment, everything, right? That's where our base was. And then our homes and then seeing what other people do um, during adversity, the decisions they make, and then seeing other companies, the way they act, it just, it taught me so much in a matter of one year on who I really was, where I wanted to go and what I was determined to do for sure. Wow. I'm going to crack a joke and it's probably, it's not too soon because it was a long time ago, but how ironic is it that your town is called Highlands? <laughs> not high at all. <laughs> <laughs> when people still move in here because we have a lot of outsiders now a lot of new yorkers everyone came over because it's right on the water it's a beautiful area and they're like oh man i'm nervous it might flood i said no no no. it is going to flood <laughs> we're below sea level like just get some boots i don't know <laughs> it is what it is at this point we're so used to it yeah so right now in your construction business you've obviously grown like a lot uh, since you guys started and you talked about like new developments and different projects you're doing like that. So talk a little bit about development projects that you're working on. Yeah. So now, you know, I was always chained to my business. I was the guy with the tool belt on driving the truck, answering the phone, yep. writing it over down on a napkin, yelling yep. at, the at somebody, right? Like, you know, yep. the wait a minute, hold on. Were you one of the guys where your dash was just stuffed with receipts? And plans and coffee. <laughs> yeah. <It's... laughs> of course I was. Yeah. Picture you're seeing, yes. Um, but yeah, so I was that guy for a really, really long time. And then I finally realized I brought a lot of my fire department um, learnings and understandings into my construction outfit. The chain of command, having a team, having a structure, having SOPs. I started incorporating the fire department into my everyday construction outfit. And that's where things started to change for me. I started building out a team underneath of me. I got an office staff to keep us more organized. I have managers who were managing men, guys in charge of trucks, guys in charge of sales. So I started to treat it like the fire department, really going back to my roots again on what worked for me. And then it started to just get better and better because now instead of working in my business, I was working on my business. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me to look at the real estate side, the investment side, the growth side, you know, true profit and loss, truly what I wanted as a business. And I really became unchained for my business for sure. And that's that's been my goal is to show people how to become more unchained. You know, so today we we do new construction projects. Uh, for other clients and for ourselves, we still do house lifts because that's a large part of living by the water. We do additions and renovations. But one of the key things to what we do now, instead of just doing them um, randomly, there's a system to everything. We handle all of the components of the projects, which makes us stand out largely as a general contracting outfit in a small area. So we do have a showroom and a warehouse. So we could show you our products and you can always come in and talk to us, which is very different in our area. Mm -hmm. And then we do everything from the design 
all the way to the completion of the project. So a lot of people would come to another construction company with an idea. They would ship them off to an engineer, to an architect, to a designer, and then they would come back. And there's too many chefs in the kitchen where we do all that stuff in-house. Mm. So we're able to take your dreams and your wants and needs and turn them into a reality right here. We go to the township, we get you the approvals, we bring you to our showroom, we show you the products that fit with your budget, we set you up with a field manager to go over your time and manage your project the right way, you know, we show you the entire process. And, you know, throughout systems, we've we've got a lot of ways to communicate now uh, through SMS, through mm -hmm. portals, through email, through one-on-one -on -one communications here. So we're definitely technologically advanced, which I really like. It helps me... Um, really take care of the clients. Yeah. Well, and then implementing all of that technology too is huge because that really sets you apart from a lot of the other contractors that are out there. And what I think is cool too, is like, you can show people how to do that and you can really help them improve their business by stuff that you've already put in place now for many years. And I think that's really going to help people out in the future. So touch on that a little bit, because I know that you know, something that I'm really excited that you guys are doing, you and Silvio, are you, you're helping other people do this, right? You and Silvio are both contractors. I'm also in the contracting space as well, but um, you guys are definitely at a um, at a different level operationally than I am. And what I've seen you do is create this community where we meet every Friday, right on Fired Up Friday. And yeah. I absolutely love it. We all get together and hang out and, and talk about, I mean, we're just talking like this most of the time. Um, but we talk about our our struggles, our challenges, and then how we implement technology or, or fix those problems. So you've created a group, Blue Collar Unchained. You talk about being unchained. And I think one of the most famous pictures of you was you happier than a pig in shit digging a ditch. Totally chained to your business. Totally chained. Totally. Inside, I was completely chained in that picture. <laughs> so right now, it's uh, for you locally, it's Monday, 1 p.m., 1.30 p.m. Eastern. And you're in the office recording a podcast. Yeah, that's you. You're you are unchained from your business. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I, I got a little something for you. OK. <laughs> so I, I came into my office the other day. And there's what? a picture of me, and it's, it's right here. This. Is, is that Flat Charlie? That's Flat Charlie right there. So, <laughs> so that's the definition of becoming unchained is so much that um, I'm, I don't have to be present inside of my business. And my team loves me so much because how I take care of them that they printed a picture of me and put it on my chair. <laughs> uh, so, At first, I was a little weird, but, you know, it's to me, it's an accomplishment, right? You know? I've worked for so many grown men that um, have been doing this since they were 15, 20, and they're doing it in their 60s and 70s, and there's no escape. There's mm -hmm. no exit. And it's not that there is no. There is, of course, an escape and an exit. It's just like they've been so used to the structure for so many years. They're unaware of the opportunities that are right in front of them, and they just stay the course and... You know, they're chained inside their business forever until they can't physically do it anymore. They sell their truck and whatever tools they have, and they pray that unemployment and, you know, whatever other governmental programs are out there are going to rescue them forever. And it's really sad because these are really good men. These are, you know, 
the cream of the crop for me. These are guys that actually change the, the face of America and, and make this country what it is. So uh, it, it's, it's my duty to show people that there is an option out there. There's other things that you could do. Even if you want to own your construction company forever, that's fine. But let's set you up to where you're not chained in it. You can enjoy your family. You could be a better husband. You could be a better father. You could be a better friend. You could be healthy. And you could ultimately set yourself up to exit when you're ready to exit or set up other partners to help you run it. There's so many different options that you could do. So it's my duty to serve and to show others that it is an option to, to free yourself and unchain yourself yeah. from your company. Yeah. I mean, we talk about the law of exposure a lot, right? Once you see something, you can't unsee it. And so once somebody who's chained to their business, who's working day in and day out, dash full of receipts, phone, coffee, ladder rack, you know, they're tying the stuff off all at the same time. But once they see that somebody can run a construction business from the top down and not have to do all that stuff and they can actually drop their kids off at school in the morning or pick them up in the afternoon or attend the soccer games or the dance things or the whatever for their kids and be there and be present that's gonna it changes their life because they're like i want that yeah how, how do i get that what this guy's doing it i could definitely do that right a lot of people though what I've realized a lot of people don't believe that they can do it because they have a fear of relinquishing control. That's in my opinion, 90% of it, you know, there's so much information out there to learn from nowadays. They can't blame it on education or knowledge, you know, maybe the want to not seek it, but it's totally the control. Every person I talk to says, well, they just don't do it as well as I do, or they just need to move. I can do it faster. And they're mm -hmm. just not taught proper leadership skills. You know, um, people have to fail. Uh, people mm -hmm. have to learn from their lessons. We all failed, fail forward, right? And yeah. you're right. I, I think the, the micromanagement and the fear of building a team out underneath of you is the most common failure point in people growing. They're never going to do it like you do it. That's a fact. And that could be good. Yeah, <laughs> it could be good, right? Because there's no way you could do accounting and sales and estimating and the office and the framing. There's no way you could do it better than everyone out there. So pick what you're really good at. Stay yeah. within inside your zone of genius. Learn yeah. that zone of genius and, and, and let other people fill in those areas where maybe you're not the best. And you guys yeah. are the best though. Dude, I'm guilty of that myself. Like, I, I feel like I can do it all, right? But I know, and I've learned over time that like delegating is the way, even if those people aren't going to do it the way that I would do it. We also talk a lot about the 80-20 rule, right? If if they can do it 80% as good as you can, now you can focus on the 20% of the business that matters. Correct. So you yeah. delegate that 80% off and hey, there's going to be mistakes and that's just how it is. Yeah. Because when we do things, we think we do it perfectly, but we're screwing it up. We just oh, can't, yeah. you know, like yeah. <laughs> our ego drives us forward. We're like, no, it's perfect. I swear it's perfect. Yeah. Well, we say it's it, it, no more ego. It's all we go. Yeah. I like that. You know? Yeah. And, and what I always say too, to my guys, if I have management call me or someone, you know, call me with a problem, there's three different levels. Is it, is it happening? Is it smoking or is it on fire? But what I like to say, are you 70% sure it's the decision I would make or it's the right move? And if they say yes, go with it. 
you, you don't need me here every time, you know? So now a lot of times when people call me, I'm like 70. Yes. Click. There's no more conversation. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just, just go with it. It is what it is. You got to learn, you know, and the more you make, give everyone the answers, the more they're going to call you. Yeah. You know, you have to give them the rope. You got to trust them. You got to give them the leniency to, to make mistakes on their own and learn from yeah. them. Absolutely. What I started doing a while back was asking them what they would do. What would you do? If I wasn't here to answer this question, what would you do? Yes. Yes. In fact, I want you to come up with three solutions and pick the one that you think is best. Correct. Yes. Uh, a problem clearly stated is a problem 50% resolved. Hmm. If we know the problem is crystal clear right here, great. Mm -hmm. Done. We're halfway there. What yeah. are we going to do about it? Yeah. So everyone just keeps dwelling back on that problem. Well, here, here. We already said that. We know that. Well, well but no, no, no. We did that already. On to the solution. So. Yeah. Wow. And I think that's incredible for scaling a business too, because then you're empowering your people to make those decisions where now you've unchained yourself from making that decision yourself. Delegation is the best. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it so, is a great feeling and, and it works. Every part of delegation for me makes me smile. Yeah. So we talked about your, your purpose with Blue Collar Unchained. Let's talk about the how, like tactical. How are you physically helping other business owners? So we have a weekly meetup, as you said before, Blue Collar Unchained. We host Fired Up Fridays every single Friday where a group of like-minded people come in and we speak about ways that we're failing, Think about, speak about ways that we are growing, speak about pain points, speak about goals, opportunities, everything. It's it's like a therapy session, essentially, because we're all kind of suffering from the same thing. We just don't have an area to speak about it. And once you start becoming vulnerable and speaking about it, things start changing for you. Change happens. Growth happens. So every Friday we get together and we talk about it. And then we have a, a group in which people come in and pour into the Facebook group. And we just communicate about different strategies that we learn. We have a core set of pillars that we work off of to help change your mindset, to help change your health, to help change your wealth, and to help you with time management. So I personally feel as if you're the healthiest, straightforward person that you are, the opportunities are going to come. So to us, we really focus on your mind and your body so you can be the best version of yourself all around. So, so we've created some courses to help people get these things out of them and, and understand what they're capable of. I don't hear many people talking like you talk in construction. <laughs> no, it, yet it's so possible. Uh, it's yeah. so, it gives me the chills again. Like I, I could say Mikey Davis, one, one of my mentors, a general contractor who I worked for for many years, probably one of the best souls in the world. Like, he he has more in him than anyone I could ever even speak about. Like the potential of that man is limitless. It's just he's chained to his business, mm. you know, and, and him as a person, best father and husband I know, five kids, right? Every single thing Michael does is beautiful. It's just he's stuck there. And the true Michael can't get out there for the world because he's got his tool belt on because he's wow. climbing the ladder because he's doing these things. And, you know, at this point, Michael's getting close to, you know, his, his 60s and it's sad because I, I I want more for these guys that deserve more and they're just stuck. So I'm really making it a mission to help as many as I physically can. Cool. That's awesome, man. I'm excited to see your guys' growth. I mean, this um this 
I know it's been an idea for a long time and it, it really has come to fruition a lot in the last few months. And you guys even hosted an event recently in the Poconos, right? Yeah, that was awesome. So we got a group of 15, 20 people out to the Poconos. We had some really high level guest speakers come and speak about leadership and management and growth. And then also talk about just the vulnerable stuff, Steve, like being a better husband, yeah. and being present and being a better dad and waking up. You know, we're living this mediocrity style life and just living it on autopilot, wasting our time. That's not refundable. Like, like mm -hmm. we can all of a sudden buy it back down the road. And it's, it's really sad. You know, us as men have to have this shield to us and this, this facade when really we need to be emotional as well as powerful to be the best version. So getting around other men that are not afraid to speak about these things, in my opinion, it's a must. It's life-changing. Get in different rooms, get around people like yourself and, and the circles that we're in, because without that, you're not going to grow. You know, you're, you're stuck in your old story. But um, I have bad days. I'm sure you've heard me say, but it's the three S's, story, state, standard. When I'm having a bad day, I stop telling myself that shitty story. I tell myself a better story and it changes. I get out and I change my state. I move, I get into a different environment. I change my state and ultimately mm -hmm. change my standard. Mm -hmm. Because if I tell myself a better story and I'm changing my state and I'm becoming positive, my standards for what I allow in are at a very high level now. Hey everybody, really quick. I just wanted to let you know that we do this for free. We do this out of the goodness of our heart. And all that we ask of you is just to quickly leave a review if you wouldn't mind. It really helps the algorithm and it helps push this out to a lot more people every time you do that. And if you've already subscribed, that's awesome. Thank you so much. But definitely leave a review. It really, really helps us out. And I know for you guys, it only takes like less than 30 seconds. Okay, back to the show. So, yeah, I focus on a lot of those things daily. That's unbelievable, right? Because... I've only just discovered these business mastermind education groups, whatever people want to call them. I've only just discovered this like a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely, I dude, I feel like I've been missing out, right? Yeah. These are the shortcuts yeah. to get to. I mean, dude, my growth in the last year and a half has, I, I can't, I don't know if I could measure it. I would say I'm 500% different. I've changed five times over in a year and a half and both professionally and personally, right. As a business owner and as a father and a husband, family man, I'm, I'm super grateful and fortunate. And especially like, you know, for our, our relationship as well. Yeah. I'm extremely grateful, you know, that we met, we met because uh, of doing the tax credits business. That's how we met. So a lot of people don't know we have a, six and close to seven figure side hustle that is is unreal and we've helped so many businesses in our community and, and outside you know it's nationwide of course and we've grown so much just because we're helping other people and that's a huge thing that you're doing obviously with blue collar unchained is you're helping those people and as you help people you help yourself right because you can't teach something until you have a mastery of it, right? 
or a quote unquote mastery of it, right? It's that level of like when you're learning a new skill and, and, and the top of learning that skill is being able to teach it to other people. Yes. Now you're able to teach that to other people. And that is for me, that's the pinnacle of being able to help other. It's teaching a man how to fish instead of just giving him the fish. That's it. Yeah. Right? The amount of relationships that have come in the same time, as you mentioned, after what you learn, it's can't even explain how grateful I am for them. Um, you know, as you grow, they always teach you grow together and not apart. And sometimes you can't grow with everyone, whether they're not in that stage of their life or you just don't align anymore. So the growth also brings separation and it brings new relationships. So I'm so grateful for the new relationships that I have because they've really helped me a lot over the last year and a half, two years of my life. They've, let's, let's face it, rescued me in certain scenarios, you know? Yeah. Me it's too. the truth. And yeah. uh, that's why I speak about your shield and, and men don't have to be as guarded as we've been taught our whole life. We can be open and vulnerable and communicate way better than we're told that we should. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Especially in blue collar, right? Blue yeah. collar, we're always taught, oh, we got our guard up and we're the tough guy and I can pound a nail through my finger and not even cry about it, you know? Yeah, and especially... You know, we're taught with our relationships. I'm a general contractor. So every other GC in my area keeps all of their subs to them. Mm. You can't have that guy. No, he's my flooring guy. No, that's my window installer. I'm the complete opposite, right? If if you if you know me, I'm here to help you. Hey, mm. that guy works with me because I'm running a tight ship. And if you want him to work for you, you better have your T's crossed and your I's dotted, you know? But come into my space. Come into Fired Up Friday. You'll yeah. see all my friends. You'll see all my subcontractors. You'll see all my answers. You'll see my affiliate. Pro you'll see everything. Come yeah. on in. You know, I'm here to do things together. Yeah. Dude, you're full. You're so multifaceted too, Charlie. Like, so you've got other businesses, right? We talked about tax credits. We quickly touched on that. Uh, but you also are an, a part owner, right? A co-owner of a sneaker uh, apparel shop. Tell me like about that. Like, I know there's a lot of sneakers, but you guys have all the other products and stuff like What's that all about? Yeah, all the all the all the hype beast stuff, right? So everything that comes along with the sneaker culture, you know, all of the pants and shirts and accessories and hats, shoes, laces, art, you name it, anything hype, hype beast is what we do. So um, I partnered up with Nick Riker from Eternal Hype, and we became partners, and we ultimately scaled and organized his main business, Eternal Hype. And we created such a systematic approach to it that we were able to scale and open up a second location. Oh. Uh, so I, yeah. So when I first got into the business, we had hundreds of pairs of shoes. Okay. At this point, we almost have 10,000 pairs of shoes yeah. and two actual locations. So um, we attend many events. Um, Nick is a veteran as well, which is one of my favorite things about partnering up with a man like him. We do a lot of donations and charity things. Actually, tonight we're going to donate, gift Saquon Barkley and Thibodeau a pair of shoes so we can get some signatures on some jerseys to donate them to uh, youth sports. That's amazing, man. That's amazing, yeah. right? And a lot of what we do goes back to giving and helping other people, right? This is obviously a common thread throughout our entire conversation and, and many conversations we've had in the past. And I think that that's extremely important is to always give back and always, you know, as one of our mentors says, flex that giving muscle. Yes. 
Yeah. And the, the best part of the sneaker business for me personally is my children. I have a 10 and 12 year old son and they know every sneaker in the world. They know every pair of clothes, who has it, how much it should cost. And I, to me, I have no idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. So when I kept on going into eternal hype, my kids always knew what was going on. Nick is a great person. As I said, veteran loves, he's got two kids himself. He always was a gentleman to my kids. And finally he's like, you know, Charlie, I see what you're doing in this, in your other businesses. Like, I think we could really do something big together. You know, a couple months later, my kids still loved going in. I always had something to talk to my kids about. I realized maybe this is something great. I love business. My kids love sneakers. I've known Nick my whole life. We played baseball together. Like, okay. why not do this thing? So now I have a lifelong friend, a veteran, and my children involved in a business. You know, yeah. my kids are now buying sneakers at retail, putting okay. them inside of our store and selling them at resale price and making money every single month. You know, so outside of the money, they're learning return on investment. They're learning inventory. They're learning profit and loss. They're learning true ways to be entrepreneur, the struggles, the growth, the pain points, everything, you know? Yeah. So I wish someone did that for me at 10 years old, you know? There's so my kids are just, it's, it makes me really excited to see what they're learning already from it. And I know it's going to propel their life forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're immersed in it, right? So they're, they're thrown into what I would have, uh, what I think I would have loved to be thrown into when I was a kid, right? My my business journey started not when I was 10 or 12. It started somewhere around like my, you know, early 20s, like we're really in business. But had I been really exposed to that and pushed into that when I was 10 or 12 and gotten excited and saw like, hey, I'm actually making money and I'm not making money like selling candy bars and seize candy and stuff at school. Like I'm making real money for 10 and 12 years old. It's like, Dude, I just made a hundred bucks, 200, 300, whatever they're making on those pairs. Like, I mean, that, that is a huge life lesson is because it's, it's also like this culture, this day and age, right. With social media, everything is instant gratification. Mm -hmm. It's all dopamine hits, right? That's why TikTok's so popular because it's like 30 seconds next. Yep. So for them, like, they buy a pair, they sell a pair, boom, they got money. Yeah. And so it's that instant gratification, but it also teaches them the long-term effects of now what do we do with that? All right, let's double up. Let's reinvest that. Let's put that money over here. Let's save a stack. Now, maybe we're going to get our own store, buy our own piece of a store or something like that later on, which exactly. dude, I, com I commend you for cultivating that and nurturing that within your boys. Cause like, we're creating the future leaders of America is what yeah, we're that's, doing. That's our duty. It's our duty it's our to serve our children. Yeah. Gives absolutely. Me yeah. You know, what's really neat too is throughout those wins, there's losses, of course, right? And yeah. lessons that I teach them through this, you know, dad, can I have money to go to the store? Well, you just spent your 200 on those shoes over there. Maybe you should have bought a pair that was 150, not 220. And you still have 70 bucks left over. Yeah. Also, they're, they're learning real life lessons, but learning through the win side has allowed me to even broaden their horizons more. Like um, I'm reading them a book every night before bed, um, even though they're 10 and 12. Oh, they still let me read to them, which I think is so beautiful. Uh, and they really look forward to it. But I'm reading a book um, from JD Rockefeller to his son, John, the 38 letters. Yeah. So I'm reading to them every these letters from Rockefeller to his, you know, to his son. 
And after the letter, we interpret what it means. And what means the world to me is they are tying it back to our life. That's cool. When they're talking about luck versus hard work and doing the hard work puts you in lucky situations, they're like, well, Dad, this is what you just talked about last week when you were saying X. And when they're talking about taking over an area, you know, and when he was buying all the oil places and buying a whole area, Dad, this is why you bought that store out over there to take over that spot. So they're seeing these life entrepreneurial lessons in front of their own eyes and tying it to their life, which, oh, man. (laughs) Dude, they're going to run their high school for sure. (laughs) (laughs) really really exciting to see the growth through my children right we're we're humble we're grateful as men uh, but when you see your family dynamic growing because of it and i've always wanted to leave a legacy it's it's really starting to click for me you know what i'm doing is going down the right way that's amazing man and you know i'm a few years behind you when it comes to that my daughters are three and six and so, but, but we're just starting those conversations. My six-year-old is now starting to understand the concept of money and the value of money too. Mm. For example, we have, um, we go to the zoo often, right? Take the kids to the zoo. We got a membership to the place, but every time at the end of the zoo, it's the gift shop, right? And my daughter, my six-year-old, she's in love with stuff animals any she's like no i don't have one of those no no no. i got two of those ones i don't want those and she's starting to make these choices when we go into the gift shop right and they have expensive ass stuffed animals right like 50 dollars for a leopard that's like this big and she uses her own money that she's been gifted or she works for at home she does little chores and you know we pay her so she earns money herself and so the last time we were there we're like you have 50 dollars she's like cool. I got 50 bucks. I'm going to spend 50. I'm like, well, you could spend 50 on this one leopard here, but I think there's some value in looking online to see if you can find one a little less expensive that maybe looks the same. And then you got some money left over. So we're in, I did as like a super proud dad moment for a six-year-old, especially, right? We're in the gift shop and she, we're looking on the phone at the different ones that are available. And she's like, dad, that one looks exactly like this one. And it's, and I was like, yeah, it's half the price. So you'll still have $25 left over after you buy it. She said, well, I don't want this one here at the store. Let's buy that one. Well, it's just, But it's also delayed. So it's a lesson in delayed gratification because she can't have it right now. It has to be shipped to the house and it's not going to show up for three or four days. Yep. yep. When it doesn't awesome. show up, dude, like that moment right there. So delayed gratification, the value of money it shows up three or four days later and she's just as happy with that acquiring it three to four days later versus getting it right then at the zoo, you know, and, and that's proud dad stuff, right? Yeah. The the wins through your kids. They're the best for me. I, my son, he he's in the public school system still not my favorite, but he's there right now. And he had a state testing that they did the other day. And he tested at the top, top of his class, actually almost a grade above. Wow. And I was asking him like, hey, bud, how'd the test go? What was he said, dad, I did so good. And there was one spot where everybody, you know, kind of had a lot of problems, but I didn't. I'm like, oh man, well, what happened? Talk to me about it. He goes, it was actually on entrepreneurs. And I was like, okay, tell me more. And he said, it was about the benefits of being an entrepreneur, the pain points of being an entrepreneur, what it means, what 
you're able to do and what you sacrifice and all these things. And he had to write about it. But he said, dad, I knew every single answer to every single question when it came to being an entrepreneur and what you sacrifice, but also what you're able to do because of becoming an entrepreneur. He was like, and that's because of our life. So we are setting our kids up for success when we teach them these things, even though we feel like we're just pounding them in. Yeah. It is benefiting them. So it, it totally is, right? And they're listening. They're always paying attention. That's for damn sure. Oh, oh, way more than we all think. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so let's go back to the um the sneaker shop real quick. Cause like I know that a lot of people want to know like how to buy businesses like this and how to like get into them. So we quickly glossed over, like, yeah, I partnered with him, but like and, and I know that you guys probably have some private information that you'd care not to share, but like, can you give us some tactical like I know you had a pre-existing relationship. You played baseball with him. But how did the conversation go? And what did the structure look like once you decided to partner? Well, I was talking to you earlier about zone of genius, right? And some people are creatives and minds and visionaries. And some people are operators. You kind of got to learn where your strong suits are and, and what value that you could bring. Value to me is not just money that you could bring to the table to buy into a business or what you could buy. It's what can I do to grow and scale this company? So myself, I knew that I'm a visionary, I'm a creator, and I'm extremely systematic with SOPs and growth and creating systems. Where Nick is a great operator. He loves being the face. He loves talking. He loves knowing the product. He loves just the interaction. And I don't really love on that side of the business. As I said, I didn't even know what a Jordan 3 was when I bought it, right? <laughs> but, but I did know how to market. I did know how to create SOPs. I did know how to create uh, CRM systems. I did know how to do a lot of other things. So when we started talking tactically how I could add value to his business, my value add was the back office side. I could bring more leads in. I can help close leads. I can create future business. I can help with branding. So I told him the things that my strong suits were, and I asked him what he would bring. And he would bring the operations side, the daily management, the knowledge. And we figured out ways to make both of our ideas mesh together, created a fair way to move forward, which fair is one of my favorite words in business, created a fair way to move forward, signed the marriage and divorce policy yes. all in one. I don't do a business unless you create your operating agreement and your divorce policy the same day. Don't ever get I agree. it. I agree a hundred percent. So we created the marriage and the divorce policy all in one and we went to work and that's it. We started with our systems and growth and here we are today, not even a year later and we've more than five X our, our store. So five really, X. Yes. Yeah, it's it's huge. The, the ceiling is unlimited for that world. And we're just now getting into other growth. You have to grow. You have to fix all your systems first before you can exponentially grow. Where yeah. now we're getting into brand ambassador programs. Now we're starting to collaborate with other designers and creating all of our own branding and our own gear. Now we're traveling to sneaker events across the country. Now we're hosting at our new headquarters podcasts, interviews, challenges, events. So we're just starting to to really ramp up. It's really That's exciting what we're gonna do this year. Dude, I'm I'm so excited for you guys to to grow that because it's also completely outside of like our history, our blue collar backgrounds, right? It's like way over there. It's not even anywhere near. It's like 
sneakers on a job site? Like, what are you talking about? Get out of here, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's great, but it's fun, right? Yeah. I'm doing what yeah. I love to do. I love being the visionary. I love creating. I love organizing systems. I love problem solving. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it is. Mm-hmm. So Nick lets me do that inside my business, and I let him do all the other fun stuff that he wants to do, and it's fun. I mean, going from painting a room purple to yep. selling a sneaker. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, one of the things that I kind of glossed over real quick is like being in the in the rooms with other people, right? Getting into paid mastermind groups, right? You and I are in, involved in a couple. Um, how long ago did you learn about these type of things and then get into them? Within two years. Okay. Um, so the first one for me was the Lion's Den with Sean Whalen. Uh-huh. And then I was introduced, obviously there's a lot of podcasts and YouTube videos and stuff out there, but the other mastermind world I got into was Mark Evans DM. Mm-hmm. So Sean Whalen's Lions Den and Mark Evans was my first two that I became a part of. And I still am to this day because of the opportunity inside of them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mentioned if, if it were my last amount of money to be a part of that monthly buy-in, I would put it into that and I would go into the group and ask for help. Yeah. If I was down to my last dollar, my last dollar would go to that group and I would ask for help. That says a lot. Yeah. I, I, I'm indebted forever. I'm yeah. forever indebted to that. Uh, even you with ERC, just affiliate marketing itself, what did you want? 100 extra investment? Yep. Right? My my next 10 years are paid for. Yeah. <laughs> realistically, right? Like Real, Realistically, yeah. 10 yeah. years are paid for. I'm good. Yeah. Oh, and, like, and not only that, but like my, my first week in, I had a conversation with Mark that saved me probably close to $200,000. Yeah. And, and yes, so, is that- the money, the money, <laughs> and what you mentioned before about the relationships. Yeah. We're all seeking more. I come from yeah. a really small community. I said, Mark dubbed it the king of the dipshits. Like, what do I have for me here? Yeah. I, I want more. And I'm considered a cult follower, this crazy person who, you know, wants all these things. I'm weird to everyone else in my area. Yet yeah. there's normal to me from other guys that want more out of life out there. And that's the proximity in the room that you talk about. Proximity is power. Proximity is power, right? And I mean, yeah, dude, we we geek out about this stuff for hours and hours and hours, right? So yep. speaking of hours and hours, we spent a number of hours on a private jet together recently. We did. And I, I would say that, I mean, you've done that a few times now, two times. Was that your second time you did it? Yep. That was the first time that we we chartered our own. That was... Yeah. And that's huge, right? So from a couple of years prior thinking that you just got to be like grinding in your business and not working on top of your business to now private chartering your own private jet to go to a mastermind event that we attended uh, together to learn how to grow and work on your business and also expand your network and to help other people do the same. Yeah. And that's, that was the common thing that we, that we all figured out on that jet too, right? We're here to serve. Yeah. As much as we talked about opportunity it yeah. was about serving. You know, yeah. 50% of that conversation was about being a better husband and a better father. It right? was. Grown men choked up about getting ready to jump off the jet with a parachute and get home to their family. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it's life changing to see how much growth comes out of those type of things when you do the uncomfortable. Yeah. It's uncomfortable paying that bill. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> 
No part of it felt good. I could promise you that. <laughs> Except for what you grow inside. Yeah. Everyone's like, you're you're wasteful or all these other things. I, I Honestly, I don't care what you think anyway. It is uncomfortable and that's why I did it. That's why I live my life that way. But what we grew out of it, what we've learned about each other from it, what relationships were forged and how much capital is coming because of those, it's exponential. Yeah. And we keep on going, right? Because it's extremely valuable. It's also soul nurturing to be able to help people and serve people, like you said. Correct. We can't stop, right? We're just flexing that giving muscle like constantly now. Right? <laughs> yes. I mean, I don't know if I told you or not, man, but like before I, I got into any of these groups, like I never, I never gave money, you know, I never donated money to anyone or anything like that. And then last year I a hundred X my giving from the year before. Good for you. I mean, I would have never done that had I not, not been around people doing the same thing. And so um, if I could leave everyone, and I think you'll say the same, if I could leave everyone with like one thing, if you learn nothing from this conversation whatsoever, learn one thing, and that's to give and to serve other people. If you lead with giving and serving, the opportunity will come to you. Yeah. That's 100% fact. Yeah, it is. It totally is. Yes. You'll never make me believe anything else. And you become a better person in doing that. And that's really what it comes down to is like, it's the personal development component to it where like, I have to become a better person in order to give and to serve and to release all of the selfish desires. It's like, I'm just here to help, dude. What can I do for you? Yep. Next time it floods in New Jersey, by the way, give me a call. I'll see if I'm around. (laughs) And when you lead with serving, it's peaceful. As a blue collar person, you live high on edge. There's always a problem. There's always drama. If you lead the other way with serving, it just grounds you. Shows you to be patient, be humble, be kind, accept more than you used to. Changes your whole outlook. Yeah. And with that being said, man, I, I really appreciate you. I thank you for spending the time with us today. I know that a lot of people are going to get some massive value out of this. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Um, well, my cell phone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> social media. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Charlie underscore LaRue underscore Charlie with I-E, LaRue, L-A-R-U-E underscore. I'm on Facebook as well, Charlie LaRue. And my general contracting site is char-ron.com. Awesome. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes for everybody as well. But Charlie, I really appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing for, for the community as well. You as well, Steve. Thanks for your time, bud. Yeah. All right, bye. Hey, everybody. Really quick, I just wanted to let you know that we do this for free. We do this out of the goodness of our heart. And all that we ask of you is just to quickly leave a review if you wouldn't mind. It really helps the algorithm and it helps push this out to a lot more people every time you do that. And if you've already subscribed, that's awesome. Thank you so much. But definitely leave a review. It really, really helps us out. And I know for you guys, it only takes like less than 30 seconds.